Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, hello there. How you doing? I just sneezed about 20 times, so I might sound a little more nasal than usual. It's uh, April 6th. It'd be a Tuesday, a sunny one at that, and I think my sister's on the line. Susan? I am. God, listen to you. I am. I am. I am. Here, I'll bring my voice up here. I am. No, I don't want it up there. I just want it without the growl attached to it. I can't help it. That's how I sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Oh, God, so, I'm snorting to boot. Okay. Yeah, we're snorting and they just generally don't sound too good, but whatever. Um, okay, funniest thing I read today is from your old hometown newspaper, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, and um, here, I'll share it with everybody. It's a quote. Well, it's a story, but the, the quote, the headline is, stay out of politics. Mitch McConnell tells U.S. CEOs. Right. <laughs> right. And I think, excuse me, Mitch, Mitch. <laughs> Tell that to the Koch brothers or the Koch brothers yeah, or whatever their name is. Fuckheads. Listen, I got to tell you that for Mitch McConnell, how can he say things like that with a straight face? Corporate America is why he is in power. I mean, it's just beyond belief. Yes, well, now yeah. and there, and I, my, my, and it's just cracking me up because between him and Rubio, their new favorite word is woke. Oh, I know. Woke. <laughs> yeah. The woke corporations, about- right? I mean, two words you oh, never yeah, expect right. to have put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, jeez. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, the corporate uh, CEO should just, I mean, the CEO should say to Mitch, okay, we'll stay out. All those checks we've been writing, yeah, okay, we won't. We won't. Never mind. Bye-bye. Good advice. Jeez, stay out of politics, right? Corporations. Yeah, let's, you know what? Let's, let's have, let's call Mitch and say, right. So I'm assuming that you're going to write some legislation that will counteract the Citizens United decision. And it'll be a fine, fine, uh, you know, bill by bipartisan. Wouldn't that be fun? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be something? Sure. Well, put his, put his, put his mouth where his mouth is. Jeez. Can't put it in the same place twice. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, well, um, I just, speaking of another uh, powerful, former powerful uh, Republican who (laughs) has a book coming out called On the House, which is a good title. And it's written, yeah, it's written by the former uh, Speaker of the House, Don, Don Boehner, uh, John Boehner. And I got to tell you, some of the Did you just say Bon Jainer? <laughs> I don't think I did. I said Don. And oh, I Don mean, instead Don. of John. Okay. Uh, instead of John. Um, so I, I just need to share some of, 
some of the quotes I've seen from from the book because these are funny. Um, he was talking about the the first midterm election after uh, Obama uh, was elected, and if, if you recall, it was, well, it was 2010, and we lost, the Democrats lost like a gazillion seats in uh, in the House and the Senate. It was just a, this is what the fear is that will happen again in 2022. Um, and Boehner, that election vaulted him, obviously, into the speakership. And he said this, you could be a total moron and get elected just by having an R next to your name. And that year, by the way, we did pick a fair number in that category. In other words, morons. morons. So that that's a Republican saying that, right, the Republicans were electing morons. Um, and then he was saying that when he was asked by Brian Williams uh, of whether or not uh, Barack Obama was, in fact, born in the United States, <laughs> a big, hot, you know, important issue at the time. He said, uh, hey, the state of Ohio says he was good enough for me. And he said he got he said, you would have thought I called Ronald Reagan a communist. Um, And it was his first wake up call of how insane the Republican base was really uh, getting. And he said, you know, he couldn't get Obama to work with him very much. Uh, But then he says, but on the other hand, how do you find common cause with people who think you're a secret Kenyan Muslim traitor? Right. Right. I I just think, yeah, yeah. Okay, here he is on Rupert Murdoch. He was a businessman. He cared about ratings and the bottom line. He was also always asking who was up, who was down, what bills could pass, what couldn't. If we, if he entertained any of the kooky conspiracy theories that started to take over his network, he kept it a secret from me. But he clearly didn't have a problem with them because his ratings were up. But then he says Roger Ailes believed this crap. And he speaks of Ailes as if he really were a paranoid. Well, there was there was something off about that man in a lot of ways. Yeah, he said he went on and on about the terrorist attack on the U.S. embassy in Benghazi, which he thought was part of a grand conspiracy that led back to Hillary Clinton. And then he outlined elaborate plots by which George Soros and the Clintons and Obama were trying to destroy him. They're monitoring me, he assured me, about the Obama White House. Now that sounds like a crazy person. And that was Ailes. God. And here he is on Ted Cruz. You gotta love this. He's talking about uh, the right wing media and how they're, they, all the money coming into the party was driven by creating outrage, which the media was, you know, in the forefront of. And, and then he says, and now, This crowd had a new head lunatic leading the way who wasn't even a House member. There's nothing more dangerous than a reckless asshole who thinks he's smarter than everyone else. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Senator Ted Cruz. (laughs) 
well, he, it's it's I been mean, known for a very long time that he is the most reviled member of both yeah. both houses. There's, there's a picture that hit uh, yesterday of Cruz, and when I first saw it, I thought it was Fidel Castro. I am not kidding you. He's grown. He had on, you know, a cap. and he, It looks like Fidel Castro. And then this morning on Twitter, somebody who had the exact same reaction I did actually put the picture of Ted Cruz next to a picture of Fidel Castro. And damn, they look like twins. It is hysterical. He's now grown. You know, he's, his hair is growing in every which way. It's, and and he's got a, a a beard. I mean, I I feel sorry for Castro. I mean, now it's an unfair comparison, right? Well, I, yeah, but I gotta tell you, if you can find this picture, it was in the papers yesterday. Uh, generally speaking, I mean, it was the picture that was used for whatever Ted Cruz was in the news for yesterday. Man, looks just like him. Okay, so um, Susan and I. Uh, we're, we're both uh, impressed by the guest Jeopardy host uh, yesterday, who is uh, uh, NFL quarterback. I think he should uh, get the job. I just, well, you know, I, I, I forgot within two seconds, once he got into the game, he just did a totally professional job. He forgot it was Aaron Rodgers. You know, he just, and he, there was only twice that I thought, okay, your imitation of Alex was just a little over the top there. But, I mean, he he really, he studied that guy. Well, Susan, <laughs> that's exactly right. And uh, for some reason, the Post is not letting me get it. The Washington Post had an article and Rogers said he went, you know, he, he went he did about the this job. Yeah. He went about this job like he would uh, as a quarterback. He looked at the tapes. He looked at a million shows, and he took notes. He wrote down what Alex would say, you know, going to a commercial. What Alex would say to a good uh, answered response. What Alex would say, and all of these. So he had all these notes. And then he sort of studied it so that he would. Yeah, he was channeling Trebek. He was sounding like Trebek. But what kind of um, sort of discipline and seriousness of, about the job he was going to do? Well, I, you was, know, that's who he is. He's a really yeah. odd egg, you know, I, he, he, a, a total nerd about whatever he's into. And well, he, th he throws himself body and soul into it. And Jeopardy is one of those things. I just, um, I just thought he did a really good job. And, and I, um, if anybody's going to go back and look at it, I sort of don't want to spoil the last part, but the ending was cute as could be. Well, and yes, the ending was cute. And, and guys, there's no one in Pittsburgh who should miss the, uh, well, it aired here, uh, last night who yeah. missed the, um, the final Jeopardy, uh, <laughs> because the answer was our own dear Mr. Rogers. That was the answer, and only right. one guy got it right. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so Rogers is uh, hosting it for uh, the next two weeks. No, he looks good. He sounds good. If I were to, if I were to uh, 
say anything to him about his performance. I would say, I mean, he's such a cool kind of customer, as was Trebek. I just think he should have a little more energy in a way just a little you know just a little more i think i just watched the whole week my guess is is that you're seeing a little bit of nerves in day one and that it'll uh it'll lose it's weird he said he did his um he did a breathing exercise that he does uh even in games when he gets uh nervous and it it settles down his, you know, racing heart. And it's so weird because it's the same exercise I do. And I, it's from the Marine. It's like some of the special forces or something were taught this. And um, it's, 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 uh, they call it different things, square uh, breathing. But I did it just the other night because my head was racing and I was having trouble falling asleep. And I'll let everybody know what it is. It is not hard. It's just it it it, it is known to have a physical uh, impact on the body, which is it settles it down. And all it is is you breathe in for four counts, you hold for four counts, you breathe out for four counts, you hold for four counts. So you think of it as a box. You, it's just four, 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 a breath in, and then, a, you know, that that pause, then breath out and pause, all of them four counts each. And you do that for a while, and that is actually supposed to, it does, it calms you. First of all, it focuses you on your breath, which is a meditative thing in the first place, and then it it just has a physiological uh, impact. So that's one of the things uh, he apparently did. Yeah, he he seemed pretty good. I, my, my guess is this guy has so much, you know, it's just so clear. This is a guy who's smart as hell, who's um, attractive, who's, who's quick-witted, who's, uh, uh, you know, nice, approachable. Uh, the world is his oyster after his, career in football and I mean the world is his oyster he can obviously go right into um, sports uh, broadcasting and make a ton of money although he said given the choice he'd the do jeopardy he wants, well he could do them he both. wants to do he, no I don't know he wants to do jeopardy he really is going for this job yeah I know he is yeah <laughs> I know he is Bobby. Well, you know, he's in love. He's, uh, I mean, who's he in love with again? Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley. Woodley. Yeah, she's the, in Big Little Lies, she was the, uh, she was the woman who had a child by a vicious rape. Uh, That was her. Well, I don't, I didn't watch that, but I think I first uh, knew her. From a movie set in Hawaii, where George Clooney was her father. It was a pretty serious movie. What the hell was that? She played his daughter. I don't know what it was. I, I, I but Shailene Woodley. So uh, they're engaged, or uh huh. They're engaged okay. and in love, and uh, yeah. And, and, and your mother is terrified that he's going to play for. A, that he's going to leave Green Bay prematurely so he can be close to her. <laughs> oh, come on. That's ridiculous. First of all, 
that way it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, his love affairs have not ended well, so I, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I mean, we'll just was, see. But they've all, the they've all hung out in Green Bay. So, yeah. The from Danica Olivia Munn on, so right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there was uh, Olivia Munn, then Danica Patrick. Patrick, or, yeah. And, and now, yeah, well, good luck. Anyway. Um, okay. Funniest thing I saw today. Oh, no, I already said that was Mitch McConnell, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Why did you see that? in? The, I saw that in the Washington Post. Why did you see that in the St. Louis paper? Well, it said St. Louis on huh. it, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I don't know. Maybe I got it uh, off Twitter. I'm not sure. Um, no, I got it where I saw it. It was St. Louis Today.com. Yeah, yeah, that's dispatch. that's that's the post dispatch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um I bet these guys aren't gonna let me get at this. For some reason the goddamn is not letting me see. I'm a subscriber to the bus you can walk in the post. Why are you not letting me in here? Excuse me. What are you looking for? I'm looking for the Yes, I already have a account. Sign in. I don't know my goddamn you. I don't know. How am I supposed to know all of these friggin' passwords? What, 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 what? And then I'm not supposed to use the same one? Are you kidding me? Well, you use the same one for things like newspapers. What are they going to... I use the same one for everything. And it's I've used it for four years now. And it's a good one. Oh, I shouldn't give it. I was going to give no, it. No, you can't give it. <laughs> I was because I love it. Okay. They want my fucking password. Excuse me. I am in a, okay. Can I put, I got to put the phone down because I can't do caps and see, here's the problem with me holding this damn phone. Uh, okay. <laughs> Susan, sing something. Do I have yeah. to sing? Um, no, no. All no, hail no, to no, the no. East High, my alma mater, all praise and honor okay. to. I got it. Stop. It looks like I'm already a subscriber. Screw you. And no, I've been paying you money for... God dang. Okay. So this has to do with a monument that was in a cemetery uh, in Selma, Alabama. And a group called, get this, White Lies Matter. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite. Isn't it the greatest? White <laughs> lies matter. L I E S. Right. Yes. Right. They they stole how they got this huge, huge. It's a chair. It's a big, you know, uh, monument uh, chair, monument like in a chair. cemetery. Yeah, and it's called the Jefferson Davis Memorial Chair. And it's believed uh, that it is worth a half a million dollars. And somehow this group, White Lives Matter, managed to make off with this huge thing. And their ransom, ransom, ransom. Ransom. Ransoming it. Ransoming it. Um, they are telling the the good ladies who put up this uh this uh, statue.
statue and this thing um, to laud the Confederacy, um, the United Daughters of the Confederacy, uh, who are responsible for most of the noxious Confederate statues throughout the South. He, or this group, is saying to them, on Friday, you've got to hang this banner, which we will provide to you. And it, it's a banner that says, um, it's a statement from a, a black, uh, uh, they say black radical in here. It's a, it's a woman who now lives in Cuba, I think, right? Well, right. And She's absconded from a murder charge, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And, um. I forget what it says because I can't find the thing that what it says. But it, you know, it says something that the daughters of the Confederacy would find, uh, you know, appalling. Uh, but these guys are so funny. Their whole letter to these people is a riot. I mean, they're clever as hell. So they. They included, just to show that they had the chair, they included, you know, how sometimes you kidnap somebody, you do what's called a proof of life photo. So you take a picture of the kidnapped person holding that day's newspaper, right? So right. you so they're alive. I got them, right? Right. Well, um, I have the article so, if you want. If Okay, well um, – they say if they don't put this banner up, they are going to turn this incredibly ornate sculptured chair into a toilet. <laughs> and then I, I think they photoshopped. Then they did. They showed what they were going to do to it. So they cut a round hole out of the bottom. <laughs> They're going to make it a toilet. That's what we're going to do if you don't put the banner up. Um, the, the banner uh, needs to the banner needs to read the rulers of this country have always considered their property more important than our lives. Our lives. It's a quote right. from Asada Shakur. Okay. And she was a member so, of the of the Black Liberation Army. Okay. So um, part of what the black, excuse me, white lies matter, the kidnappers of the chair, wrote to the, the Confederate ladies, America's original sin is that people were kidnapped from their homes and forced to build one of the most prosperous nations in the world without being allowed to participate in it. We decided in the spirit of such ignominious traditions to kidnap a chair instead. Jefferson Davis doesn't need it anymore. He's launched. And to be honest, he never even had the chance to sit in it in the first place. Okay, sorry. Um, God, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm being tortured. Which part did you want to read next? <laughs> but it's, I will read that like most Confederate monuments. Uh, the uh, the chair mostly exists to remind those whose freedom had to be purchased in blood that there still exists a portion of our country that is more than willing to continue to spill blood to avoid paying that debt down. 
Um, They write, we took their toy. We don't feel guilty about it. They never play with it anyway. They just want it there to remind us what they've done and what they are still willing to do. But the South won't rise again, not as a confederacy, because that coalition left out a large portion of its population. All that's left of that nightmare is an obscenely heavy chair that's a throne for a ghost whose greatest accomplishment was treason. So they're audacious, they're funny, and they they write well. Right, and they said if they do display the banner, not only will we return the chair intact, but we will clean it to boot. For all that talk about heritage, they really haven't taken care of the thing. <laughs> the good Confederate ladies haven't dusted it. Yes, they haven't dusted. Well, they where is the, where's a slave when you need one? They don't That's do right. that stuff. God almighty. Well, and they're asking that they do this during their big antebellum celebration where they parade around in hoop skirts and give um, tours of beautiful plantations. Isn't that something that there's people still doing that? God almighty. Actually, the, um, you know, when the Georgia governor uh, signed that. Uh, Cancel culture. How can they, I mean, how can they even say this stuff with a straight face? They're trying to cancel half the population. And when called on it, they're canceled. I just, you know. <laughs> I know. They also, their reaction is now to like can't to boycott these corporations, which is canceling them. It's, it, it, they, if we, a boycott would be part of cancel culture. Um, they engage in it. I mean, Trump was the master of that. Every He was constantly, remember, tweeting, you know, this one is, you know, we get rid of them, pay no attention to them, uh, don't buy that, don't this, that. I mean, it, they are just, they have nothing. Nothing but rage and lies. That's all they've got. Yeah, rage and lies. Imagine that the only platform that you've got is a lie, is the big steal. Yeah. That's their platform, and it's a lie, and they're all going to get sued. Yeah, they believe it. But a, a majority of of Republicans, I mean, this is all the polls show, actually do believe. Well, that's why Dominion is going to win its case. You understand that. Mm -hmm. That, things like that poll are why Dominion wins its case. Because they did real, provable damage. And that's why they take down all of these liars. They're all going to jail. I can't wait. They aren't going to jail. They're all going to be bankrupt. They can't go to jail. It's civil. They they got so much money that I don't know. I mean, it'd make a a little dent in in Murdoch's empire, but it wouldn't. It might take down the lesser. I mean, you know, people who spread the lie. um, the uh, Giuliani and what's her name? The uh, the no. the woman attorney. Um, you know, um, I don't know that I'll take down Murdoch, but it might take down Fox. Meh. You don't know. Okay, uh, dream on. I want to talk about, and I, I have really avoided talking about the former president, um, and done very well at it. 
and have, uh, but there was a front page story in the New York Times yesterday that delineates how his campaign stole from his credulous base the money they needed to keep their campaign going. It is, it's a grifter's handbook. Well, you got to be really careful that you don't, that you haven't clicked that donate monthly. That's right. But here's what they did. And the Times looked at how that you had to, if somebody got a campaign uh, appeal from Trump um, saying he needed money, needed it now, um, there are all these personal stories of these Trump supporters who gave. One guy who was in hospice, not a rich guy, he sees it. And on his deathbed, he writes Trump a check for $500, which for him was huge. Uh, the factor, I mean, the fact is, is that this guy lived on less than $1,000 a month. He gave Trump $500 while he lay dying in a hospice. That money was immediately taken out of his account. The next day, another 500 was taken out. The next week, another 500. And every week after, until he started getting notices that none of his bills were being paid, that his utilities were being shut off. And what he hadn't, of course, seen is that in small print, it said, this is a recurring monthly donation. And the box was already checked. You had to uncheck it, manually uncheck this fine print disclaimer. (laughs) There's a word for this in Yiddish. It's called GANIF. G-O-N-I-F. It means thief. Thief. The sheer magnitude. It said that what started flagging banks and credit card companies were inundated within a month or two with fraud complaints from Trump supporters who were watching their bank accounts get drained. In the final two and a half months of the campaign last year, The Trump campaign had to refund more than $64 million to these distraught supporters. 64 mil. Now, get this. They probably knew they were going to have to do this. The, the, The grift was he had the money when he needed it just as his finances were actually deteriorating. So he was able to use tens of millions of dollars he raised after the election under the guise then of fighting his unfounded fraud uh, claims to then cover the refunds he owed. So once he lost the election, he started telling people, I need money, I need money to battle this. They stole the election. He turns those funds around and repaid the money he had taken from unwitting supporters. 
when he needed that infusion of cash. Jeez. They're crooks. This was a three-page investigative report. And it talks about how it started in March of last year. And um, the, first, uh, the first plea for money went out. And the make this a monthly recurring donation actually was in bold face. The next time it came out, it wasn't. It was back. And that, that third and time, that it was it was rechecked. <laughs> it was already checked by June. Uh, they had they even added a second pre-check box. So there was the pre-check box. Make this, which is buried under tons of other crap that nobody reads. And then they added a second pre-check box that they called the money bomb because that unwittingly made an additional contribution for the same amount, essentially doubled it. They were just ripping these people. They needed the money now. They were able to keep a bunch of it because some people are clueless or didn't. They just haven't noticed yet. Right. So it says here the impact on his his base, the people who were given him the money, they they busted their credit card limits. Uh, some of these guys ended up canceling their cards. Others were paying huge overdraft fees to their banks. And yet they kept, the Trump campaign kept modifying this uh, come on. And soon the bold face was always gone. The, they were moving it farther and farther down. By October, there were nine lines of bold-faced text with all caps. And under that, eight more lines, came this little teeny thing of make this. No one would see it. No one would go there. And guess what? They're still doing it. Oh, no. I can't believe that. The Times check, it worked. So it's at the websites of various Republican Party committees and top congressional Republicans, including, get this, Kevin McCarthy, who will be Speaker of the House if they take the House back, and Senator Mitch McConnell. Their websites now include pre-checked boxes for multiple or recurring donations. Well, you know, it's uh, uh, buyer beware, serves them right. I mean, they've been told 80,000 different ways that they're being ripped off, and yet they continue to do it. Okay. Fine. No, I sort of feel the same. I'm I'm not going to waste... My time feeling sorry for these people. And it's a, it, this, this investigative report ends thusly. Uh, after Trump's first public speech of, of his post-presidency at the end of February, uh, he sent it, 
his political, his new political operations first text message because he can't, he doesn't have a personal text Twitter account yet. And the first thing out that came with his new political operation to supporters, the first words were, did you miss me? And then he directed his supporters to a donation page with two pre-checked boxes. That day, the first time they'd heard from their dear leader, he raised $3 million with much more to come from the recurring donations that these people didn't know they'd made. He's still doing it. Yeah. Oh, my Yep, yep, God. yep. Well, you know, here's believe lies, give money away, never bother to check your accounts so that you can't see that you're being ripped off. I mean, let's count right. all the ways that these people aren't paying attention to anything they're supposed to be paying attention to. <laughs> oh, my God. So, there was an interesting... There was an interesting piece. Actually, I've been, there was a book review in the, I think, Sunday New York Times, and then there was a piece in the science section today, all, uh, all coming off of the same book that's been written called Hooked. And this is a book that was written by the same Pulitzer Prize winner who a few years ago wrote a book called Salt, Sugar, Fat that was a best seller and uh, it explained how these are wonderful capitalist uh, you know companies how they knowingly formulate their junk food that they sell us the processed foods they sell us to actually achieve what they call a bliss point B-L-I-S-S. And that is where your brain chemistry says, ah, oh, give me more. The you can't eat just one thing. And this guy was blown away by how salt is one of those things. Right. What? Salt is one of those things. Sugar Sugar another. Salt. That's right. And they knowingly are doing exactly what? The tobacco companies did with their product. They know they're essentially addicting us, a lot of people. And he thought initially, I wasn't going to use the word addiction in that first book because I thought it was ludicrous. I mean, how anyone could compare Twinkies to crack cocaine, I thought that's ridiculous. But. After that first book, he starts digging into the science about how these processed foods affect the brain, and he doesn't think it's ridiculous anymore because they knowingly, addiction happens when your brain is involved, gets excited by the stimulus, the stimulation that the drug or the food gives you. Um, And that's why smoking crack 
is much more addictive than snorting crack because if you if you smoke it, it goes right up to your brain. It's quickly delivered, more so than if you snort. So it's quick delivery. And here's what he found out. The smoke from cigarettes takes 10 seconds to stir the brain to that bliss point. It takes 10 seconds after you inhale. But a simple touch of sugar on your tongue will hit your brain in less than half a second, nearly 20 times faster than cigarettes. And he says, and that puts a new meaning to the term fast food. It measured in milliseconds that sugary, salty stuff that they give us. And they know it's why they make it like they do. Bang, oh, hits your brain. And it, he points out how, like Philip Morris, um, you know, was taking it on the chin because cigarettes weren't selling anymore. So what they do, they acquired craft foods. They acquired general foods. And for a while there, Philip Morris, which you think of as, yes, it's a tobacco company, right? No, it was the largest manufacturer of processed foods in the country in the 80s. Kool-Aid, Cocoa Pebbles, Oreos, Capri Sun. And they were using the same game plan again. It's yeah. unbelievable. <clears throat> but it, I mean, you know, why? It, 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 of course they use the same game plan because in the end, there's really only one game plan. The, the way to create market is to create unbridled need. Or not not need as much as... An addiction creates a need. Well, it creates... Here's what. The American Psychiatric Association lists 11 criteria that they use to diagnose a substance use disorder. And among them are craving, okay, an inability to cut back despite wanting to, continuing to use the substance despite knowing it's causing harm. You tell me how many, I mean, I know, I'm a binge eater. I know that that is, yes, it's exactly what they're they're saying. That is an addiction. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, the 12 steps and all that stuff, none of that works when you're talking about food. <laughs> you know, you could live your life by abstaining from nicotine, but you can't live abstaining from food. So it requires a whole lot more from the addicted person. Um, and what these food companies have done uh, to sort of uh, keep us from understanding what they were doing, they became big lobbyists that shut down important research into foods, into sugary foods. They are, their lobbyists spearheaded laws that prevent us from suing 
any food company for damages. I mean, almost half of all Americans are obese. This is a huge public health crisis that they have caused. Well, no, I mean, not to loop it back again, but Republicans are constantly shielding, rolling back protections for the consumer against corporate powers. They've been they've been rolling back consumer protections forever. And this is why you have, you know, people just hating lawyers. That's another Republican thing. You hate lawyers because they're tort attorneys, because they go after civil wrongs, which keep corporations in in check. And somehow the common man has been convinced that those aren't in their interest. Yeah. So you and all of this is based on our animal instincts, because we're still operating with a body that thinks it's back in, you know, the year 200 when you weren't sure if you were going to get food tomorrow. Uh, you know, and, and so when you had food, you ate a lot because you might not have food for a while. And our brains are set in that, you know, for, uh, for not having a constant, constant access to food. Um, but our neurotransmitters, you know, there's, they're stuck in this, uh, you know, old evolutionary thing that helped our, the cavemen survive. And all they're doing to us is making us, um, making us sick, making us fat and making us sick. Uh, even seeing pictures of certain foods can, can make you salivate. I mean, they, and what they've done, they, they have played, and we know this, we're serving sizes on the nutrition labels, deceiving people who are not really looking into how much, you know, they're, they're really getting with the foods they eat, or if they think they're making healthy choices, in fact, they're really not. Um, do you know why M&Ms aren't all brown? Are you there? Yes. Do do I know why what? M&Ms aren't all the same color, like all brown. Oh, because, no, you have to to engage the eye. Yes, and it also dupes the brain into consuming more because they all, they look different. Right, you think you're getting different nutrients instead of sugar, 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 right. You know what else these goddamn companies did? The ones that have made everybody fat? Once they realized they'd made us all fat, you know what they bought up next? Oh, diet treatments. Exactly. (laughs) Let's let's take Heinz, much beloved here in Pittsburgh. Heinz is a processed food giant. 1978, it was way ahead of the game. It bought up Weight Watchers. Unilever, which makes Klondike bars and other ice creams, bought up Slim Fast. Nestle bought up Jenny Craig. Well, if you perf- uh, if you if you control both ends of the spectrum, there's never a down. Well, you know what? It's like the friggin' pharmaceutical companies who I'll never forget the the um, the ad I saw for it was a pill that was to alleviate constipation in people 
who used opioids. And oh, I'm great. Thinking, Stop yeah, using first, the opioids and you won't right. be constipated. Yeah, but first they addict all these people to opioids and they're making tons of money off that. Then they put out another product that will deal with the side effects of, of that. We've got a call, I think. Hello? Hey, Lynn. Hey, Susan. It's Mike. Hi, Mike. Oh, Mike. Hi. So, um, Overeaters Anonymous does work, 12 steps do work on food like Alcoholics Anonymous works on alcohol. So in Alcoholics Anonymous, you tell the addict, don't have the first drink. If you don't have the first drink, you can't get drunk. So in Overeaters Anonymous, you say, don't have the first compulsive bite. You can go your entire life, Lynn and Susan, without ever eating ice cream again. I know that sounds dramatic, but you don't have to, you can eat food without eating all of the stuff that triggers you to want more. I have not had dessert in five years. Not a cookie, not jello, not cake, not pudding, not a dessert in five years. Because what I noticed was after I wanted something sweet, then I wanted something salty. So I would go and I'd have crackers. Then I'd want something sweet again. And I would eat literally till I was in bed. So if you don't have the first compulsive bite of whatever your trigger is, ice cream, candy, bread, whatever, then you can't get drunk. It's the same concept, and it does work for people who have food addiction. I'm sure it does. Right. You don't go, you just, it's not about not eating. It's about not problem eating. It's you, you, can, you can get rid of whole categories. Today, just for today, not for the rest of your life. I'm not never eating dessert again. Just for today, I'm not going to have dessert. Maybe tomorrow. And if you stop that 10-second impulse of that sweet, savor, that sweet taste that goes down your gullet as you're eating it or drinking it, right, it's the same concept, um, then you can't get drunk or you can't um, binge. Yeah, that, that's actually how I that's how I quit smoking cigarettes after seven thousand failed attempts of uh, getting rid of all cigarettes and then spending the next three years trying to be next to someone whom from whom I could bomb a cigarette. <laughs> I decided to set a date and then I put the rest of the carton on the top of the refrigerator and I left it there. And I just said, there you are. You know, don't bum. This is between you and them. You know, you want one? Just go have one. And in that way, I that was I just quit because I made the decision. Each one was its own decision, and I just kept making the decision. And you know, and it, that was it. I've never had another cigarette. Yeah, but you're smoking pot. Yeah, I know. I did substitute, but I can't possibly <laughs> smoke three packs of pot a day. <laughs> well, and I could out. smoke. I could smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was a three pack a day. Um, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, it is a different way of looking at it. It is the same way. I do think it's the same. It's the same trick to your brain. 
It's right. it's not making a cosmic decision. It's making a series of decisions that allow you to make the cosmic decision. Yeah, but right. why? I want to go back to these corporate drug peddlers. I want. I mean, my God, my God, sons of bitches. <laughs> Take it, Mike. I, <laughs> Yeah, but just because they're pushing it doesn't mean I have to take it. Okay. I, I, I'm a sentient being, and I can say, yes, I love oh, Klondike. Yeah. And when you said Klondike, my I, my ears perked up, right? Klondike. Um, <laughs> just because that Klondike um, interests me doesn't mean I have to have it. And the scary thing is, is, you know, if I have that, I'm not powerless now. Well, people in 12-step programs aren't powerless to begin with, right? They're only powerless once they have the beer or once they have the Klondike. Then all bets are off. But when I see those Klondikes in their freezer, I can say, not my food. Like Susan said, with the cigarettes, I'm not doing that today. So as soon as, as, as long as I don't start, then I don't have to worry about binging or getting three packages of Klondikes so that one of them would make it home to the freezer. Well, they melt. <laughs> <laughs> All over your steering wheel sometimes, too. <laughs> All righty. So, okay, but I, what's the new book called? You said it's his old book with salt. Weed it's called Hooked. Hooked. Hooked, and it's by Michael Moss. Uh, you know, books now have to have this endless subtitle it's hooked foods free will and how the food giants exploit our addictions by michael moss it's it's getting very good reviews okay well, i appreciate the referral yeah okay when you go when when chipotle first came uh, became a thing um uh -huh. i remember my son bringing me a um a burrito bowl and he and he handed it to me and he said here, it's uh, it's it's crack cocaine in a bowl. Yeah, and and it is, and it's the salt. Um, it just tastes so good, and you can't figure out why it tastes so good. And they, if you, it tastes so good because of the salt. Yeah, they're playing us all the time. I don't know why you have to live your life in a defensive crouch as they try to pick your pocket and abscond with your own brain chemistry. Well, I do try and cook for myself, and okay, that wait. is why. You know what, I'm sorry, I'm back. I, I've knocked off some callers. We, I do have another caller. Hello? Forgive me. Hello? Hi, ladies. <clears throat> hey. Hi. Hey, um, didn't I hear that, uh, at least I thought I heard, Subway sandwiches, that the bread that they make is loaded with sugar? Yeah, there was something about, I think it was the UK that decided it wasn't really bread. Yeah, that's, that's what I heard. <laughs> something like that. The, some, some national health overseer said that Subway bread does not meet the requirements to be called bread. Okay, under a 1972 tax law, the sugar content of bread cannot exceed 2% of the weight of the flour in the dough. 
Okay. Uh, and well, obviously, Subway violates that or something. Well, uh, the, the question is, is how much did they have in there? So I'm not going to do the whole thing. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. That's <laughs> something. And, uh, yeah, really. Speaking but, of the UK, do you remember when um, they were trying to pass a law, something to do about potatoes and potato chips? And Pringles went to court in the UK stating that they can't be considered potato chips because they only have like a tiny little bit of potatoes in their potato. chip. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, I never thought Pringles were potato chips anyway. God, tastes like crap. Nah. <laughs> well, they um, do, they, they have a definite sweet taste to them if you... Uh, uh. Now, Lay's potato chips, on the other hand, are... Incredible. And if you want to know the power of salt, just try to eat one of those. I'm serious. Try to eat one of those. But you can't eat just one. That's <laughs> right. That's why. Well, they're all in. Yeah. God dang them. Yeah. They're playing us. I'm telling you. And our government does nothing but help aid and abet them. Yeah. Not us. Of course, they're corporations. Well, unless you get the Republicans out. Uh, and then we got a shot, a little one. So thank you. Sorry, I kept. Bye, bye, girls. Bye. Yeah, Bree sounds like he has a personal thing against Philip Morris. He said, uh, "Doesn't matter how it affects a consumer as long as they part with their cash. Uh, they got a bad rap, so they changed their name." So Philip Morris doesn't exist anymore, right? Now well, who are they? I don't know, but they're still the same. He says, uh, they aid and abet people to develop bad habits, and then they pocket the profits. They know it, and there's no compunction about it. It's what they did with tobacco. They do it now with food, but all the food companies do it. Knowingly. Knowingly. The sons of bitches. I'm I was doing real good not swearing much and I've just been swearing up a story. Well, I mean there is a very simple uh way to begin and that's to simply not buy processed food. And that's right. and, and that's the right. options are out there. You just buy yeah. whole foods and cook yourself. And cook, right. But for a lot of people, that um, that's not possible. I understand that that's a. They live in a food desert where you. Yes, I understand that there are economic barriers to health yeah. that this country yeah. regularly puts in the face of all of us, and um and and so you you really I, I you started talking about this I immediately started thinking about monopoly and why and, I, and not the game. Um, the fact that we no longer go after monopolies in this country because the pattern changed. Companies didn't try and it to control a spectrum. They tried to go to control a cross spectrum so that we couldn't say that they were controlling any given market. But what they end up doing is simply controlling us. All right. I want you all to get your pitchforks. I want you to get your torches. I want us to go after them. Sons of bitches. Okay. Suze, thank you so yeah. much. You're welcome. Are you?
Yeah, I'm in Chicago. I know you're in Chicago. Susan's in Chicago awaiting the birth of her third grandchild. Yeah. And yeah, very exciting. Yep. Very exciting. Yep. Okay. All righty, you. Thanks so much. All right. Um, we'll talk soon. Okay, we will. Bye, Suze. Bye. And uh, bye to the rest of you, too. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to go get on the treadmill. Then I'm going to go get into that sun. Jeez, I love it. I just love it, don't you? Hard to be grumpy, even though I am, when it's so beautiful out. See you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.